turn your Bibles with me to the book of, I'm going to do quite a bit of reading, Genesis, different passages in the book of Genesis, and then I'll read a passage from the book of Proverbs. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to give you the, the passages first and then go back and read them. I want to acknowledge our visitors as, right before I do that, and uh, some have been here before, but again, we'd just like to say thank you and welcome for being here. If you would stand with me, please, I'm going to pray and then you could you can be seated and I'll give you the passage of scripture after that. Thank you again today, Lord, for your blessings and allowing us to be here and again for just the ceremony and the renewal of vows and again rededicating themselves to one another and first of all and foremost first to you and we thank you for the shelfers, and we pray for their guests. We pray for the body of Christ, all of the members here, those that are absent, those not feeling well, those traveling. And we do pray that you will keep people safe on the roads today. Now give us an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Give us a mind to hear the word and to understand. We do thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let me give you the passages of Scripture, and then I will uh, read them. I'll be reading uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And then in chapter, still remaining in chapter 2, I'll be moving down to verses 16 through 18. And then verses 21 through 24. Then I'm going to go over, and I'll, I'll repeat them again once I, once I begin to read them. And then I'm going to move over to Genesis chapter 9 and read verses 8 through 17 in Proverbs 18.22. Again, I'll be starting at Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And this is what it says in Genesis 2, beginning in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Your Bible may say soul. And the Lord God planted a vineyard in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Jump right down to now verse 16. In fact, I'm going to pick up at 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that... The man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Verse 21, 21 through 24. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Go to chapter 9. Pick up at verse number 8. 8 through 17. Genesis chapter 9. Beginning at verse 8. And again, I'm reading, didn't say before, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Genesis 9, 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for... Every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you, you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember. The everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Turn with me to, with me to your, in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18. Verse 22, Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. The title of this message is The Covenant. The Covenant. I will be addressing primarily one point and Many points under that one. Point one is the covenant-making God. The covenant-making God. If you were to enter into a contract with someone, this may be a contract that says or sees two people as equal. There are similarities between contracts and covenants, but they are not exactly the same. Contracts made be between two equals. And when the terms of the agreement are changed or the contract or the agreement changes, both parties have to agree. However, when we consider the covenants that God has entered into with mankind, they are never based on each party being equal. Never. There is a treaty that's called the suzerainty treaty, where there is a superior being one, and there is a person 
that is called a vassal or a slave or a person that is considered less. Whenever we think of the Bible and the covenants that God established, he is the suzerain. He is the king. He is the one that sets the terms and the conditions of the contract or the, com- or the covenant. And he is the one that does not need anybody to agree in the sense with him, but it is given for the purpose of us obeying. We agree with him even though he sets the terms. God always is the one to dictate the terms of the agreement. We have the covenant that God made with Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and others. And ultimately, we have the final covenant that he made and gave through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Why would God be interested in entering into covenant relationships with people? Well, we need to note that one, first, God is a covenant-making God who wants his people to have the best life possible. The covenant establishes our relationship with God. Within the covenant that God establishes, they contain certain things. When we think of a covenant, there were even the covenants that the Hittites had made, and it would often involve a a king who might have come and conquered a land, conquered a people, and they put terms in place of their vassals, those that they have conquered. And within that contract or that covenant that they set up, the one who is conquering is the one who sets the terms, the suzerainty treaty. And the one who sets the term is called the suzerain. God is the suzerain. He is the one that sets the term. And when we look at covenants and that God established, they contain what we call a preamble. In other words, it lists the parties to be involved. Do you not know that when God sets covenants, he brings to the table those that the contract is going to affect? Whenever you, you have been involved in a contract and you put your name on the dotted line, you have obligated yourself to something. I recall once when I was a teenager. In fact, I was around 18 or maybe 17. In fact, I must have been 18 or 19 because I was driving at the time. I got my license when I was 18. But I was coming back from San Francisco in my dad's nice blue Cadillac Brits. He had purchased that sharp 1979 car from Warren and Mary Boyd. They had another vehicle, and, and man, that was a nice car. And so I, on this day, asked my dad if I could use the car to take a friend to the airport. And it was raining that day. It was uh, um uh, raining, and so as we going down 19th Avenue, got there without a problem. Sister, she's taking care of it. Just don't, just take your time. So I know you, you, you're getting it. If we have our phones, we can put them on vibrate. You, all right, you can go ahead and just, all right, just take your time. <laughs> so I get to San Francisco, and the person that I took to the airport, we dropped him off, and my friend, as we were working security together. 
Um, he rode with us because it was his friend, so I said we would take him, and he wasn't driving. And on the way back from San Francisco, coming back down right past San Francisco State University, uh, looked over in the car, and I hit the brakes as the car in front of me had stopped, and the car went into a spin. And as I began to fishtail, the car is turning, had turned sideways. And as I'm trying to correct the car, it went across all the lanes. Now, you know there's a trolley also on the side there as well, as you, right? And, and so as I'm going down, you, you have all types of thoughts going through your mind. It's as if I was moving in slow motion. And as I got to the third lane, there's three lanes, when I got to the final lane, I thought I was going to probably get out of it because I was coming to a, a stop. And lo and behold, there was a car coming that didn't see me and hit the car and knocked me back to the other side. Well, of course, I was nervous in my dad's nice car. I had a little Volkswagen that he sold to me. And so I... Found a pay phone since you didn't have no cell phones at that time. And I called him and said, Dad, I had an accident in the car. He's at the house. He says, well, get all the information. Is the car drivable? I said, well, I believe that it is. And Okay, just come on home. Just go ahead and get all the information. So we exchanged information. And I got home and he came and looked at it and said, okay. No problem. He, he felt bad because he said, you know, I had been thinking the tires on the car were not good. Now, when I got home, my mom was upstairs, and, and she told my brother, said, your brother had an accident. Oh, man, he got an accident? Yeah, how's his car? He was in his daddy's car. And my brother, oh! <laughs> but everything turned out okay. So... Sometime it passed. I had a person come by the house, and he says, I have a um, form for your, your father. I said, would you sign? I signed the form, and the man took on off. Sometime later, I come to find out that I had signed a subpoena that my dad was supposed to be a court that I didn't know. Well, the man that hit me had sued. He went to court, and my dad wasn't there. Because he didn't know. And I didn't tell him. Because I didn't know. But the contract had been signed obligating him to be there on a certain date and time. Well, there was the judgment that was made against him and he lost the case. It made no difference who signed the contract. The fact of the matter is that I signed the agreement obligating him to be there. And he wasn't there. When God enters into agreements with individuals, it was often not just with one person, but it would infect the entire nation or people. And if one person happened to violate the covenant contract, the Lord would oftentimes deal with the entire community. They had to suffer the repercussions because God, he was showing that the covenant agreement was not only with one, but it was with every one of the individuals, every person in the nation, oftentimes the nation of Israel. 
So the covenants would involve the preamble, those to be involved. The second thing within that, the covenant, what we call the suzerain, would often describe what he had done for the vassals. What is it that you have done? Well, the Lord had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It would set the conditions. This is what I've done for you. This is why you need to uh, honor the terms of the covenant and worship me. The third thing that it would do, it, it, it says, these are the expectations that are to be a part of the covenant. So you have the parties, you have what the person has done, and then you would have the expectations of what one is supposed to do. And then you will often have what's called the blessings and the curses. If you obey, you can expect this to happen, the blessings. And if not, you can expect these things to occur. And you find oftentimes when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 through 14, you will find the blessings of God for Israel being faithful to God as they enter the land. If you enter the land, you can expect these blessings from me. It was God that set the terms. All they had to do was agree. And then verses, what, 15 through about 68, you have what's called the curses. Covenants are not the invention of man. So man trying to change the forms or the covenant was not something that they could do. They can't, not, they can't change the facts. They can't change the terms. When we consider marriage and what God has done when he brought Adam and Eve Together, it was the Lord who set the terms of the covenant. Today, there are people who want to set and change the terms, even though they were not the initiators of the agreement. Do you not know when we try to change the terms of the covenant that God made and makes that we automatically run counter to what he was going and trying to do? Whenever we decide that we're going to change the conditions, we automatically move into the blessed or to the area of the consequences. Marriage is not a covenant invented by man, so when man tries to change the terms that God establishes, the suzerain begins to implement the, the curses or the consequences. In the passages that we read in the scripture, we note that man did not make himself. It was God who formed man out of the dust, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's something that we need to note. God formed, he breathed into the nostrils. The next thing that we note is that we note that God, acting as a suzerain, planted a garden and put the man in the garden to tend it. Man did not make the garden. So far, we have noticed that he has no part in the creation of himself, nor does he have any part in creating the garden, the man. The third thing that we note, the Lord of the suzerain gave the terms of the agreement of what he and woman could and could not eat in the garden. He told them that you could eat of all the trees, but he told them, if you go back and look, that tree that's in the middle. Good and evil, you are not to eat of that tree. It was God who set the terms. Only, the only thing that they could do was agree. Fourth, it was the Lord who gave the blessings and curses of what would happen if they ate from the tree that was forbidden them to eat. 
Fifth, it was God who caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and take one of his ribs and form out of that rib a helper suitable for the man. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it was the Lord who told the couple, you be fruitful. And we didn't read that. Be fruitful and multiply the blessings. Whenever God enters into a covenant, it is for the purpose of blessing his people. It is for the protection of his people. When God created the covenant of marriage, as I said, it was not man's invention. So today when man tries to change the terms and tries to add to what marriage really means, they're violating the terms of God's agreement, his covenant, the suzerain that he made. The subject cannot change the conditions or the terms of the covenant. Today, Brother Jerry and Sister Michelle entered into a renewal covenant in which they have said we did not do our first covenant as directed by God. As now wanting to honor God, they have entered into a suzerain agreement and that they have acknowledged that God is a sovereign. And they recognize that it is God who sets the terms of the agreement. They have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life and have bowed under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and have said, we agree to the terms as set forth by what Christ has done. Whenever we bow to the terms of the covenant that God sets, we always move in and towards blessings from the Almighty God. Moving and working outside of the covenant sets into motion the consequences that were laid out by the suzerain, by God himself. The Noahic covenant, the Noahic, the covenant with Noah, establishes a new covenant that God makes with Noah, his sons, the animals, after the flood. God re-enters a new covenant, and he puts a sign in the sky. Even today, that sign exists, that after every rain, there is a rainbow. This sign, God says, would be a sign or a covenant between God and the earth, that when he saw the sign, it would be something that he would remember that he would never destroy the earth with water again. Isn't it interesting that God says covenants even between himself and the earth and all living creatures? It is not that God forgets, but it is that God would put a sign that helps us to know that he is a covenant-keeping God. When we consider the rainbow, and oftentimes after the rain and the sun comes, we say, oh, what a beautiful rainbow. And the first thing that many Christians believe is that, oh, the promise that God made to never again destroy the earth with water. So for the Christian, we think of the covenant keeping God and the promise that he made. And what do we do? We believe that God honors his word and that he does what he says. 
You see, one of the things that's incredible about the Bible is that you never find God breaking his covenant initially. He's never the one to initially break the covenant. It, it always includes the vassals, the slaves, the, the person who has been subjugated. It, is, it always involves them breaking the covenant. When we consider even King Nebuchadnezzar, there were three invasions of Babylon, of Babylon coming to Judah. There were three. And then that final one in 586 B.C. is when we had what we've been talking about in the Bible study when Daniel and the three Hebrew boys were taken to Babylon. Well, why did he come? It was because the contract that they had agreed to, and even though they were in bondage, had been broken. You see, whenever God's people refused to obey him, he would use other nations to chastise. He, he would use other people to bring about the consequences. But when God had completed their penalty and their consequences for their sins, he would always look to restore and then deal with those who had inflicted the pain. You see, one of the things that God does, he's, yes, he's a loving God, but when we think of God's holiness, he has to uphold his holiness because that's who he is. So when people look at one side of God as just a God of love, yes, that's true. But God also couldn't tolerate sin. That's why he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins, the covenant that he made. For us, there's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation, our relationship with him. It was all what he did. The fact that the Lord has a bride, the church, and he expects the church, his bride, to honor the terms of the covenant. We worship the Lord. We honor the Lord. We serve him. And in response, what does God do? He blesses. He protects. He guides. He gives us. The very thing of what we don't deserve. You see, one of the wonderful things about God's covenants is that when you think about what he did for Israel and bringing them out of Egypt, that middle part, that portion that I told you about, it says what the suzerain did, that is an act of God's grace. It, it, it says that you really didn't deserve it, but it's something that I did on my own. Just because I wanted to. You, it's not something that you could work for. I delivered you. What is it? It's God's grace. God gave his son for us to die for us. It was his grace. His grace. His grace. You can't, you can't earn God's grace. It's a gift. And so when we think of the covenants that God makes, we should always keep in mind that we simply come to the table and we say, Lord, I Agree to the terms that you have set forth. Because why? They're perfect. And you are the perfect God who keeps covenant with his people. God is a covenant keeping God. May the Lord bless you. Preach a short sermon for y'all today, huh? <laughs> As we close, decisions that God puts before us. Choose life, choose or choose death. We mentioned last week when Joshua said, but as for me and my family, as my household, we're, 
we're going to serve the Lord. Life is full of choices. We like to often make choices, but we don't like the consequences after the choices we make. But we have to remember that if we make the choices that God sets forth, that God will uphold his end and bless us. It doesn't mean that everything goes well all the time, but it does mean that God is watching us. And just because bad things may happen doesn't mean you are outside of the will of God. It may just mean the very opposite. You are in the will of God, and the Lord is saying, I'm right here even through the difficulties. If you haven't given the Lord a chance to be your Lord, this is the perfect time. Today, God, if there's anyone in this place that has never said yes to you, has questions we are praying for right now, and to know that they will know that, yes, you are the covenant-keeping God. You love us beyond measure. The fact that you made us in your image, you have made everything in this world, given us food and have tempered the air, have given rain and sunshine, all the things that we could never pay for nor make ourselves. It is your grace. It is a gift from you. And so today we pray that we will honor the terms of the agreement set forth in the word of God, that we will keep the covenant relationship clear, that we will be Minded and reminded that it's you that sets the terms and we as your vassals that we come and say, Lord, I'm your servant. Do what you want to do. We love you today and we praise you. And as we leave today, would you continue to bless the shelfers as they celebrate? Would you be with them? Would you bless them and keep them and guide them and lead them? Bless this congregation as we depart here. Bless us as we go our separate ways. Pray that you will strengthen us. And may we be the people that you've called us to be. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.